My name is Matt Brown. Hey, Bone Hicks today makes it look easy, but he's 40 years old. And let's start the show. I think I'm more passionate today at 71 than I was at 51. What's going on, everybody? The world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Thursday, November 9th, 2023. This is a college football and a college basketball podcast. We got a very good show for you talking about week 10 in the college football season and starting our college basketball coverage. College basketball started this week, focusing on the men's college basketball side and there's a lot to look forward to there really is so there's so much to get into so much to talk about before we get into all of it i just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the productive conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and youtube and don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show across all social media platforms we're on instagram at productive conversations podcast twitter and x at prod pod we're on tiktok at productive conversations and facebook at productive conversations so yes Moving forward, we are going to now include college basketball into our Thursday programming. So we are no doubt going to ride out the rest of the college football season. And up until the uh, start of the new year, we will make our focus mainly college football. But we will also be implementing college basketball coverage. Alex and Nico know what they're talking about. There is a lot of love for them on the college basketball side as well as the college football side, as you know. So we are going to keep evolving and leveling up, and we are very excited for what is about to all unfold as we begin a college basketball season. And this is a very big college football week, and we are going to talk about the Michigan sign ceiling scandal. Michael Penick Jr. versus Caleb Williams, and, and probably the best two college football quarterbacks in the entire nation going at it. And we will break that game down, Alabama, LSU, and a lot of other good stuff. And some early stories with college basketball, you know, will UConn repeat? Rick Pitino is beginning his reign as the head coach of St. John's. Will he bring them back back to glory? We go through the early rankings of the college basketball season, and we also talk about the rankings of college football right now as well. So why don't we get into it? Lots to do, lots to talk about. Let's go through week 10 of the college football season, make picks for week 11, as we have some very crucial games that might decide the college football playoff happening this week. We are entering closer to conference championships as well, so we'll get into that and then we will discuss the beginning of the college basketball and make some future picks for the national championship so let's get to it alex and nico you guys are here let's get busy and let's give you some quality content on both college football and college basketball here we go this is a very productive conversation all right college everything so not only are we going to discuss college football week 10 of course and by the way we're back after i was sick on when last thursday so we're back here to discuss college football but we're also going to add some college basketball into the mix moving forward here so a nice full college basketball and college football show coming your way with alex and nico what's up what are we doing what up 
All right, gentlemen, this should be a good one. So let's get back into the groove. Sorry we missed you on uh, last Thursday regarding college football week nine. I was sick. I mean, I still am <laughs> a little bit, um, but I am definitely good to go regardless. So what I missed, I think it's a good thing to discuss the college football ranking start, if anything. So we got about three weeks left of the regular season around, give or take, three or four weeks going into some roads to co- conference championships. We have some crucial rivalry games. And um, here's what I have so far for you. So why don't we talk about the top 25 rankings from the start? Let's go from one down. So the fr- So the first th- four, right? The top four, we have Georgia ranked at number one, Michigan at number two, Ohio State at number three, Florida State at number four. Some other schools that are right behind them include Washington, Oregon with one loss, ranked six, Washington's fifth, Texas at seventh ranked. Uh, ranked seventh with just one loss. Alabama ranked at eighth with just one loss. And then other schools un- in there include Penn State, Mississippi, Louisville, um, Oregon State, Utah um, are all in the mix here. But focusing on the first four, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State. Do you think this is pretty accurate after the first nine weeks of the college football season? I think it's I'm going to say oh, you go first, Alex. Well, I'll just keep it quick. I, I I think it's pretty fair. I think it's pretty representative. Um, you're always going to have a little bit of a nod nod to the SEC team that's in the mix, but uh, Florida State would be my only asterisk. I think that you could kind of interchange them with Washington week to week. Um, Florida State's had a couple of gimmies, the little tight games during the year, and same with Washington where they played lackluster. So I think you could um, you could flex those either out, but um, just depends on how the ACC plays out. And same with the Pac-12. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, Top three are staple, obviously. Uh, those have to be the top three. But I personally like to see Washington get into that fourth spot, even though it's kind of early. And like Alex mentioned, depending on the matchups, how they compete versus teams, it's going to switch every week from here on out until one of those teams goes down. But I, I just really thought how strong the Pac-12 is that Washington deserved the nod over Florida State for the initial rankings. Um, obviously, it's something that we're going to see. It's going to be back and forth. Um and we'll see Oregon being that six even too. I I really think uh, once Oregon does beat Washington in the Pac-12 championship, because I called that a couple weeks ago and it's still going to happen, uh, it's going to be a real argument. If Florida State wins out, it's going to you can't let Florida State not be in if they're undefeated. But the reality is, I just don't think Florida State is as good as the top three teams. You know what's really interesting to me that's sticking out here of the teams still in the mix is Alabama. You know, they've been playing much better as of late. They are on a seven-game winning streak. At first, maybe the first four of those were a little tight. You know, uh, somehow the University of South Florida gave them a run. But a convincing win against LSU last week. And um, I think if they win out, they might – and there's no other – I think if they win out and say one of these four do lose – it's going to be a bad sign for those other teams. I think Bama can slip right in there. Do you guys agree? Yeah, I mean, they're on a crash course to win their side of the SEC. It's going to be something that we saw the past couple of years. It's going to be Bama, Georgia in that uh, SEC championship game on championship Saturday. And right. 
and it's such a hard situation, and this is why I can't wait for the 12 team next year because if Florida State wins out, goes undefeated, say Washington wins out, they go undefeated, and say Michigan or Ohio State, one of those teams stand undefeated. How do you look Bama in the face if they do somehow beat Georgia in that December matchup and not mm-hmm. put them in the playoff? And how do you mm-hmm. say the same thing with Georgia, where if Georgia does lose that game, they're back-to-back national championships. They lost one game in two years, and you're going to penalize them for it? It's very challenging, um, and I'm very excited. I'm so like this is my favorite time of the year. This month, Thanksgiving coming up, favorite holiday. But I'm so yep. excited uh, for this playoff impact. Um, but yeah, I, I hope Bama wins out. I hope Georgia wins out. I want to see December third come, and I want to see the Bama Alabama Bama Georgia SEC championship, and it's going to be a shit show for the committee that night. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, I think Texas and Bama are overvalued, but I think against when we when we compare them against the championship games upcoming, um, I think that they're neck and neck because I think Georgia's had a cupcake schedule all year. They probably had the easiest of the top twenty-five, to be quite honest. Definitely um, agree. So they're definitely, yeah, they're definitely in a crash course. Um, I don't like the points, um, on Penn State. I think they're a little overvalued as well, um, and. It's just going to be interesting to see how these these championship games shake out. I think it shows you after this weekend, and we'll talk about it later in the, in the show, um, what the committee thought of uh, Oklahoma after that loss, dropping them, usurping Missouri and Oklahoma State. Uh, that was wild. Um, and I think that there's probably zero chance that a Big 12 team gets even close. Um, they'll, probably, they'll probably just be like a low bowl game. But uh, th- that's all I got at the moment. I think it's a pretty good standstill as we look at it about a month out from the championship games. No doubt about it. Definitely good, good perspective. And we do have to discuss this. And um, with the number ranked two, Michigan. So we began to discuss the sign-stealing scandal, and it's only grown a lot more since then. So first we have that assistant getting caught on camera, like the Central Michigan game, looking quite silly. <laughs> Unfortunately, Michigan did dismiss him. Now, ever since this happened, the Big Ten, all, all the Big Ten presidents and the athletic directors and coaches are honestly screaming for him and Harbaugh, Michigan and Harbaugh's head. I mean, after Michigan's win against Purdue last week, the Purdue head coach didn't even bother to shake Harbaugh's hand. The Big Ten did release a letter to them um, earlier today, Wednesday. So they got pretty much a warning and a slap on the wrist. That's pretty much what it looks like it's going to. Um, as of now, the time of this recording, and in that letter, the Big Ten states, the conference should act cautiously when settling precedent given the reality that in-person scouting, collusion among opponents, and others and other violations should be monitored here, right? And um, so it's all returning to a big mess, pretty much. And I don't know. It does. I don't know if any more disciplinary action should come. But should Jim Harbaugh receive any discipline or the actual program? That's my big question. I should say, should Michigan suffer any consequences from the sign stealing scandal? I have the same exact opinion I had on it a few weeks back. I still don't see anything wrong with it. I'm sorry. Uh, maybe I'm right. wrong. I know I'm the minority with this take. Um, the one thing that I'm very, very happy about, and I hope the NCAA is listening, um, 
you have to let these players wear a headset, like the green sticker rule in the NFL. The quarterback should have a headset on, and uh, the defensive captain should have a, be able to like hear the play calls. Um, that's something the NCAA has been against, and I never understood it. Why? Uh, but hopefully this is going to be a wake-up call for them. But with that being said, Astros cheating scandal in baseball is completely different. You are looking at the pitches, things like that. With this, I just think it's smart. I, why not go to a Northwestern Minnesota game or Northwestern Ohio State and pick up some signs? If they're not going to change it up, that's on them. I, I still don't see something wrong with it. And I know I'm wrong in this take. I know a lot of people disagree with me. But I just don't see an issue what what Michigan did. Um, to an extent, I don't like the colluding amongst other teams and stuff. That's where I draw the line. But like for them to send people out scouting other teams' sidelines, I still don't see anything wrong with it. And I do think technically a rule wasn't even broken either, like in the bylaws. The loophole. Yeah. Yeah, there's no precedent. I mean, I kind of fall along Nico's lines there too. Like I don't really see like an ethical. Um, you know, an ethical issue to like a line across. But I, to be honest, like I hate, I, this is like a really, this is kind of a stalemate for me. I just don't, I don't really have an opinion on this to be quite honest. I think that uh, certain, um, you know, certain tactics for like, you know, how to game play them and how to cheat are just part of the game. And I think it is uh, very different. It's apples and oranges when you're talking about like an Astro situation or another team's cheating scandal type of situation. Um, I don't think this is quite the same. And I think that um, the more you dig into like some of the recruitment hacks and processes, um, you're going to start seeing, you know, rules for the, not for me more. So with the big programs, when you talk about how um, a lot of this NIL stuff uh, starts to pour out the next couple coming years, because there's going to be a lot of stuff to challenge precedent that we haven't seen because this ruling has only been in pl- into effect for so long. <clears throat> Not wrong whatsoever, Mr. Anelio. So I guess for me, if a rule isn't technically broken, what is there to do? I don't know what pressure there is under the Big tw- the Big Ten and their commissioner, but um, I guess we just need more of a deeper investigation, if anything, but should be water under the bridge. And if there is some discipline you have to do, I guess you should just do a, like, you know, there should be a maybe Harbaugh get himself get suspended, get suspended for the rest of the year. And you don't want to suspend the program. And especially if um, Michigan, they have had an amazing season. And if you punish them out of the college football playoff, they'll talk about integrity issues and stuff like that. But um, I think only time will tell and we'll see what happens ultimately. We'll ultimately see what happens. But until then, Michigan is ranked second in the nation. They want to get back into the college football playoff. They want to win a national championship. Let's see if they can do that. So why don't we now just get into some of the games from this past week of college football. And we could talk about the shootout that took place last last week on Saturday night when Washington went to USC and won by a score of 52 to 42. It resulted in USC's defensive coordinator getting fired and, um, I mean, Michael Penick Jr. just went ham on that. And he literally it literally broke Caleb Williams where he went to cry in the stands. A meme for life. But um, ugly loss for USC, huh? But uh, what did you guys get out of this game? And uh, if anything, did this prove that Michael Penick Jr. is winning the Heisman, assuming he can ride out the rest of the season? 
playing well the rest of the season? I think it's a huge if, but yeah, I would say so. Uh, he's got to be the front runner right now. But again, we got to update our resumes, check this uh, that that poll week to week. Um, yeah, I thought I don't have much. I mean, I think we kind of knew what to expect going into this game with USC and Washington. Uh, Washington's clearly the better team, all three phases of the game. It's really like a Caleb one man show right now at this point, and I think he's just sadly more realizing that there's not going to be as much postseason play um, that he was anticipating. I think he was expecting kind of this euphoric finish. And, and I think the uh, reality is starting to settle in about, you know, kind of preparing for the next stages for the draft. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I completely agree. I mean, me and Alex, I remember we mentioned it like about a month ago, whenever I first joined the podcast, like we thought this USC was going to be a three loss team. Do you think they're going to be a three-loss team already with still three weeks to go? I personally didn't think so. Like, I know I was always talking about their defense. Thank God that coordinator got fired. It had to happen. Um, that emotion moment in Caleb Williams in the stands was – I like seeing stuff like that. Um, to me, it was just like, what else do I have to do? Like, he had a perfect pass rating, played his balls off. The Washington allowed uh, – Washington ran for 200 – the one who had got 250-plus rushing guards, the running back. Quarterback, Penix played unbelievable. Um and, hey, Washington is a legit football team. Washington is going to be tested again. They're probably going to play Oregon in the Pac-12 championship in a rematch. And uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I really think – I'm really hoping Washington or Oregon both stay in that one-loss, zero-loss category so we could see a team representative from the Pac-12. But, hey, um, Caleb Williams is doing nothing to hurt his stock. He's going to have to keep improving it week in and week out. And, unfortunately, USC stinks out loud. That's <laughs> Yeah, until once Caleb goes, I think they'll be they have a road to relevancy ahead of them. <laughs> well, oh well. And uh again, I, I talked about this the last time, but I really see so many people doubting Caleb after this loss. I still think he's he's a I mean, it's obvious he's still going to be the number one overall pick, the way he's marketed, the way he's talked about, assuming he decides to assuming he does he decides to not declare if he doesn't want to go to the Arizona Cardinals and such, but he's gonna be fine. Let he, might him, be going to your, he might be going to your Giants. <laughs> I think he should yeah, we'll we need any 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 do. anything, <laughs> anything better. We need to know it's time for a change there. So I'll let that Giants rant in there for another day. But um, I don't know. But regardless, he's going number one. And uh, um, I still was really excited to see Penix Jr. That, that's going to be, like you said, the real challenge. It's not only this upcoming week, but um, the uh, Pac-12 championship, assuming they get there. Yeah, and I don't mean to, to stay on the same topic, but the one thing I wouldn't mind seeing is if Washington does win out and they do beat Oregon or even possibly Utah maybe, in, but most likely going to be Oregon in that Pac-12 title, uh, I, I would love to see Penix versus like an SEC defense. I would love to see him versus yeah. Georgia or even a Michigan Big Ten D. I, I, I think the kid's legit. Obviously, he's proved that he's legit, but I really am curious to see what he can do versus a Michigan versus Georgia who's going to have five players on that defensive side of the ball being NFL players in a year. Yeah, I got nothing else to add to that. <laughs> so why don't we move on, but good stuff ahead. And talk about Alabama versus LSU and their and Alabama's convincing victory over the Tigers. 
continuing not only what has to be an extremely frustrating season for LSU in general, you know, tough early season losses and then, you know, not being able to uh, capitalize on Bama this week. And now Bama has some more momentum coming into this huge, huge win. And I mean, Jalen Milrow finally seems to look like the player he's supposed to be. That is no doubt the biggest um, X factor coming in. If he does well, Bama's going to do well. And uh, why don't we also talk about some of the other, you know, LSU's defense, uh, seeming lost and all other stuff going on there. What do we get out of LSU and Alabama? Uh, I don't know. It's, um, Bama, I'm just, you know, again, I, I've seen too much at the beginning of the season. I'm not quite convinced. I think that LSU is slowly ascending, uh, the past few weeks, you know, they were kind of trying to bounce back from an early rough start. Uh, Brian Kelly's trying to save face here towards the latter half of the season, but I mean, Alabama was impressive on third down, you know, they, they held their own, they played a good game at home. Uh, but there's nothing that jumped off the screen for me when I watched Bama. Um, I understand they, you know, this was almost a thousand yard game combined between the two teams, but that's just SEC football, in my opinion. Um, I, I can't really quite take them seriously until uh, they, you know, either beat or, um, you know, draw to uh, um, draw to a tight end with uh, uh, Georgia. So, um, again, I didn't really parse too much from this game. I thought it was just a great game to watch. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think this Bama team is clicking right now, and there's someone you don't want to see this time of the year. Um, I think Saban finally figured out what he needs to do with this team in order to be the Alabama teams of the past. Um, the one thing I will say, this is the second week in a row where we saw Bama just completely dominate the second half. Um, they let them play around for the first half. I know LSU second quarter scored a little bit, but Bama comes out firing in that third quarter, stays strong in that fourth quarter. There's times in that fourth quarter where LSU don't want to line up um, against that Bama defense. And I, I really just think Bama on both sides of the football is being physical. They're playing well. Nick Saban knows exactly what he has to do with Milrow and that offense. And, uh, hey, like Alex mentioned, it's a, it's going to be a crash course right to Georgia. And we'll see what happens in exactly 26 days from now. All right, so why don't we move on to Colorado and Bama, right? Sorry, Colorado and Bama. The University of Colorado lost their third straight game this past week, uh, losing by score 26-19 to against 12th-ranked Oregon State. Four and five, guys. Uh, I texted you guys this, but this isn't my take, so I don't remember who exactly said it. Maybe I just saw it on Twitter. It seemed like Colorado for the first two weeks of the year um, had a Lynn Sanity type of run, just a couple of weeks um, sweeping the nation, bringing people back into college football. And ever since that 2 0 start, they have lost. Um, they've gone 2 and 5 since then. And, uh, you know, lost their last five, they've lost five of their last seven games. And though these games are close and some of them are even tough, um, Colorado is just starting the first chapter, but um, this first chapter of a major rebuild. But um, do we see this team making a bowl game at this point? Absolutely not. <laughs> I, agree. I think as time goes by, like you, you start to realize what they are. They're like one giant experiment with a big, loud mouth. 
And, um, you know, they had like some prize, some surprises at the beginning of the season, you know, they were must see TV, but, you know, just like, you know, um, a huge car accident, a three car pileup is must see TV. It doesn't mean it's good on net positive. So, um, I think that they definitely did a lot of good things this year. Like, um, you know, I liked seeing this entire revamped roster top to bottom. Um, I like seeing Dion in, in prime time, no pun intended, but, um, I, I think that they got a lot of work to do in year two. And um, I just think that it's great that there's more eyeballs on the sport as well, especially now that we see a, a four, uh, four conference consolidation for next season. I have my uh, same Colorado take I've had for the past month and the viewers <laughs> are going to probably get sick of hearing it. <laughs> Program's back. It's great. Dion's going to get his recruits. They're going to be great for the next five years, but we got to stop talking about this mediocre team. It's not us. <laughs> it's everywhere say the same thing every week um but that being said the one thing i will say in their advantage if they somehow win two out of these next three they somehow become bowl eligible the ncaa is a hundred like some six win team get get left out they're gonna never be in that situation if you can get to a six win team the ncaa is gonna squeeze you in no matter what just because the viewership and oh yeah they know unfortunately the i don't think they get there um I've been saying it all year. Uh, I I would I didn't think they were gonna hit their win total. I really didn't. They proved me wrong there. I really have their under at three and a half. But we'll see what happens. They're gonna finish the year with four wins, and program will be great. But I did see a report, another story out of this. Both the Sanders boys are going to the NFL next year, confirmed. I did see that on Monday, which really? did surprise me. Even Shador. I, really... I thought I heard that they were. I thought at least Shador wasn't. I, I thought I saw on Monday that it was official that Prime said that both of them are going, which shocked me because I really thought got them get their feet wet this year and let next year when you get more recruits come and see what happened. But I was really surprised to see that. Let me just confirm that look up right now. Yeah. Um, okay. It says right here on Bleacher Report from a day ago, Colorado head coach Deion Sanders remained adamant that son Shador and Shiloh will return to school next season and not declare for the NFL draft hey, until 2025. I, I thought I read that, unless I read the headline wrong, I thought I read the exact headline opposite said that both of them will go to the thing, to the uh, to the draft. I don't know, that's my bad. Depends on how old the one you read is. Because <clears throat> Dion could be on cleanup duty too, you know, for his sons. But I don't know, I mean, they could be sending out feelers just to see how the media buzz would be, um, you know, they're 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 no short of any paparazzi. So, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll cool it for Colorado and see how they do in the next couple of weeks. Oklahoma went down to Oklahoma State. That is what happened here. Um, Twenty-seven to twenty-four in a pretty, pretty entertaining game. What did we think about this game and the implications for the future of it? I thought it was an awesome game, <clears throat> just from a viewer perspective. I had no, um, no stake um, in either, you know, either team going into this game. But I thought it would be a true battle, a true test for OU if they did prevail. Um, obviously, they didn't. Uh, there was a lot of breakdowns in that fourth quarter. A lot of, um, you know, juicy calls juicy turn events juicy plays uh but you know you look at the you look at the statue they pretty much played each other to a halt um you know you give the nod to ou on the yards per play after they had a few more explosions downfield um they were you know 
OK State was a little better on third down, but um, they just did, they just dominated time of possession. You saw it, um, you know, in the way they controlled the pace of the game in the first half. And I thought that they were able to play downhill in the second half and kind of just, um, you know, back up on their heels a little bit and dare to make um, dare to have OU beat them offensively. But at the end of the day, um, I don't think there's a Big 12 team, you know, even sniffing the playoffs. I just thought it was a great old fashioned, you know, from a viewership perspective, a great football game, college football game. 100% agree. Um, I think, if anything, this game just really uh, set the tone. What Alex just said that the Big 12 is not a playoff year this year. They, they don't have a team that is capable to make the playoff. They're like the ankle biters of the ACC, we've been calling them, but they're all like good teams. They're not, but they're not great. Oklahoma State, great team, or good team. Oklahoma, good team. Texas, obviously, is a little higher than the both of them, even though Oklahoma beat them. I, I just really don't think um, the Big 12 can produce enough to make it to the playoff for me. But it was a fun game to watch. Great football game to watch. I had a great time watching that this Saturday. Yeah, like you make a great, great point with the parallels to the ACC. Like, I love Kansas. I love K-State. Um, a lot of good teams, like, right in that middle of the pack, um, for sure. And that's why I think they are. Like, the Louisvilles, the NC States, the Dukes, all teams that are good go win football games. But they're not great, and that's – the difference. North Carolina, yep. All right, this is a good transition. Now let's talk about week 11. Crucial games coming up. And let us talk about the most crucial games. So first we have Penn State and Michigan, a game we've been waiting for. We have circled on the calendar. Nico, you particularly enjoyed this matchup. So here it is, 12 p.m., Happy Valley, Number third-ranked Michigan is going up against number 10th-ranked Penn State. Michigan is opening as your favorite at minus 4.5, and and your over-under is 44.5. Talk to me on what you think is going to happen. I'm very, very upset with myself, Um, and the reason why I say that is Every I watch the games on Sundays, NFL games with a bunch of people. And our favorite thing to do in between the four o'clocks and the Sunday night football game is to guess the lines of the Saturday game for the next week. We all had the Penn State line at three. This line was at six and a half. It opened on Sunday. I should have bet this game on Sunday, got the line mm-hmm. at six and a half. I am still very adamant that I really think Penn State wins this football game. I will die on that hill until... 3.30 on Saturday when I'm officially proved wrong that Penn State just can't win the big game. I think this is Penn State's team, even though how bad they played against Ohio State. I'm still staying true to what I said since I joined this podcast. I think Penn State wins this game. Ohio State or Michigan beats Ohio State. And then the big and then we're in a big fucker. Oh, we're in a big situation where we don't know what we're going to do um, with each one lost team. And, and that that's just bottom line. Um, I'm going to stay true to my word. Give me Penn State money line in this game. Uh, I, I don't even want the four and a half. Like I said, I'm so mad at myself. I didn't put this game in on Sunday when it was six and a half. I'm so mad. Yeah. Um, I'm with you on Penn State um, for a number of different reasons, but mostly because I have to win, not because I believe that they're going to win. I, I kind of fall into the love story of like, you know, these, these teams that have these rebuild modes and they're, they're, they're making headwinds and the bigger conference. Um, I think Penn State's in that class. I think that they're class personified in 2023. I think that they're going to be right up there, you know, neck and neck with Ohio State and Michigan moving forward. But I just don't think that they can cap it this year. But 
Um, if they can keep it close going into the fourth quarter, I think they can make things uncomfortable for Michigan in that offense. Um, I think that, uh, you know, Michigan's always historically been a top-heavy defensive team, but they've really had to rely on their offenses here. And I think that if Penn State can get behind that crowd, if they're going to white it out, they're going to um, they're going to put it on a lot. Um, I think that they can, you know, they can, they might pull it off the last drive. Who knows? Um, I, I the the line at six seem is a little too, is a little too close for comfort. I it felt like three coming out, and I, I see why it's six now, but. Um, yeah, that's just it's gonna be a great game. <clears throat> yeah, and I don't mean I don't mean to stand the same game too. And Alex, you're right. Like it, it the line at this point makes hundred percent sense. After Penn State versus Ohio State, after what Michigan's been doing to these bad teams, you're hundred percent right. Um the one thing I do want to touch on about the whiteout and things like that, I think all of this partnership with Fox in the Big Ten and these big noon Saturday games is k- killing Penn State. If this game is oh, yeah. Sunday night, whiteout, primetime, in Happy Valley, I think it's arguably a pick em. Since this game is at noon on a Saturday, still very important. Still the primetime game for noon on Saturday. I just think that does hurt Penn State. If this was the white official whiteout game as it should be, primetime, pitch blackout, all you see is the Nittany Lion crowd screaming, I, I, I really think Penn State had such a better chance. But, you know, I, I totally I, – I disagree. I think, like – the 12 o'clock kick benefits Penn State, especially at home, because you got all that inertia. You got that adrenaline going. Um, you're playing, you know, you're playing from in your comfort zone, whereas Michigan, they got to travel. And I know they're not really crossing time zones, but still, like, it's just it's a lot more for an opposing team coming into a house where they're pretty much matched neck and neck. Um, I think it's more difficult for Michigan opposed to, like, a 330 kick where they would definitely have the edge, Michigan. Correct. No, no, it's a good, it's a good point. It, it, it's a double-edged sword, 100%. And the other thing, um, I don't, again, I don't want to spend so much time on one game, but I will say, where's Michigan's head going to be at? Because the media questions all week, you, you're getting ready for a top-10 matchup, and 90% of the questions are about something totally unrelated, about right. the scandal. So, with that, like, you really, Harbaugh has to do a good job of um, keeping the locker room focused, and he has to make sure that, hey, we're playing a top-10 team in the country this week, this is going to determine if we're going to be national a uh, chance to be a national champion or not. So we got to forget what the media is saying. You just got to lock in. You got to go to war with the seventy-five guys in the locker room, and that's it. Makes a ton of sense. Makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I think um, Michigan will take it. My just my short, sweet analysis. I just think Michigan will be able to handle Penn State and with this fire in their ass. And if it doesn't. I mean, I won't be sad, but it should be a fun game either way. But I think at least just um, Penn, Michigan covers, and um, it'll be under the 44-and-a-half. All right, let's continue on and discuss Washington and Utah. Utah is a team that we've talked about being underrated. Utah is ranked 18th. Washington is ranked 5th. We're opening at minus nine and a half for Washington. Your over-under is 51 and a half. Talk to me about what's going to happen here. Oh, I like I like the under a lot in this game. Um, nine and a half seems high, but not unreasonable for Washington. I think they take care of business um, in a low-scoring game, but I am concerned because I've been, you know, driving that Utah train all year, and I think they had a failure to launch with the Oregon game. And I think it sets them back a little bit. Um, 
moving forward to the remainder of the season. So I think Washington holds, um, I think that they're going to probably win like a 24 to 14 type of game. Uh, you took the words out of my mouth. Uh, I love <laughs> the under in this game. I really do. Um, I think it's going to be a game where Utah can control the tempo and control the pace. However, they're just not talented enough to beat this team, um, <clears> in my opinion. Um, basically exactly what Alex said. Um, my This under, I'm, did have highlighted it's one of my favorite plays of the week i think it's down to like 53 and a half at the moment um mm-hmm. but give me uh give me the under and i'm gonna stay away from the spread i do think washington wins the game fairly um but I, could they win by 10 absolutely could they win by seven absolutely could they win by a field goal absolutely i just would be shocked if they lost but vegas got this right nine and a half ten point spread right down the money the, it's a great point you made because I, I'm a little fearful of the, of the of the line as well, only because I think this game, you know, if if you can't, I mean, if Utah wants to make it a game, it, they they have to have like you know a strip sack or they have to have a pick or something to force a turnover to uh, to take Penix out mentally and physically. Um, and if they do that, then that you're going to see that line shrink uh, within you know within seven. So um, that would be my only concern. Absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, Washington can um, have a great day offensively and they can win by at least 10 points to cover that. And uh, having that, despite and having that, plus Utah is also very good defense. I think they can, um, I think they could cover that uh, over under at 51 and a half. Should be very fun. So coming up next after that, Georgia. And Ole Miss, a real test for Georgia, as we talked about earlier in the show, them having a easy schedule. You have number ninth-ranked Ole Miss, just one loss against the undefeated Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia's opening at minus 10.5. Your over-under is 57.5. What's about to happen? Oh, 10.5 feels a little, a little rich, even for Georgia's blood. Um, I think prime time, you know, you got the whole day to prepare. Um, you know, I, I do trade, I do trust more than years past Lane Kiffin going in enemy territory. I like, um, I like this matchup for Mississippi, but, um, I think Georgia prevails within a one score. I think this is somewhere, you know, similar to the, the previous game we previewed. I think this is somewhere around a 27 to 21 type of game. Uh, I, yeah, I, I don't have a take on the over under directly. Um, right. I, I I do I do like Ole Miss at the points. Um, I, I really don't have a final score. I really think Ole Miss is going to be able to keep it close. Uh, mm-hmm. Lane Kiffin, I think I'm a big Lane Kiffin guy. I, I think he's going to be able to have a nice scheme going into this game. Um, obviously, Ole Miss offense won't have as much success as they had the past couple weeks, past month. Um, <clears throat> but that being said, I don't think Georgia's going to have the same success. <clears throat> I think it's going to be a very interesting game, and I'm very excited to discuss the recap of this game next Wednesday, because I think we're going to learn a lot from this game and a lot, a lot, a lot. I think so too. I like, (laughs) I like games where I can learn a lot. I really do. Okay. (laughs) Moving on. Um, We have Alabama and Kentucky. Number rank, number eighth rank Alabama versus Kentucky not ranked, and uh, your spread is minus eleven for Bama on the road. Your over under is forty six and a half. I'll give Kentucky the points. Absolutely, uh, I think this is a classic trap game. Early kick, 
Um, Kentucky scrappy, you know, we talked to, we harp on the ACC all the time, but um, I think even though they're not, you know, it, they're not, they're not in that realm. I think that they're scrappy enough to keep this game close, but I think um, Alabama, I, I like, I like Alabama to win, but I think it's, uh, I think it's a little too close for comfort. They always get cupcakes at, uh, they always get cupcakes at home, but uh, this year they got one on the road. They got a difficult game on the road. And, yeah, you, and, and you said the word that I was going to say. It is a trap game, an absolute just trap game. Um, noon start, real, real Lexington is going to be real. I don't know what the weather is, but I'm hoping it's like a sloppy game. Um, <laughs> I, I really like the under in this game. Um, one of my favorite bets in this game is Alabama team total under 29 and a half points. I don't see a world world where Bama scores 30 plus points uh, in this matchup. Um yeah. So that was one of my favorite bets of this weekend. But um, with that being said, big, big game for Alabama because it's the definition of a trap game, and the committee is seeing that as a definition of a trap game, where if Bama comes out and shuts me right up and wins this game by 20-plus points and really dominates, I I, I really, really think um, what else could we say about this Bama team? They're doing what they have to do into their matchup for Georgia. On the flip side of that, if Bama sneaks by with a field goal, do we really think this team is capable of beating Georgia in a month? I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, give me Bama team total under 29 and a half. All right, let's talk about the final game, the final crucial game here. We have unranked USC at 7-3 and three going up against 6th-ranked Oregon at 8-1. and one. Oregon is the favorite at minus 15. The over-under is 73 and a half. 73 and a half. God damn. Yeah. I, I didn't think I would see an unranked USC this early in the season, but <laughs> I think Oregon takes care of business. I think that they, they, they both put up points. Um, I think 73 is pretty low to be quite honest, but um, I think uh, Oregon takes care of business. They're going to run up the score because they know what's at stake. They're looking ahead at Washington and what they do against Utah early in the day. So I think they're going to try to impress and knock the socks off the committee and fight for that five spot. So, or I'm sorry, four spot. So I like the 70, I, I like the 73 to go. I like the over for sure. And I think it's a two, two score touchdown uh, win by Oregon. Yeah, I, I think Oregon dominates this game. Um, I do agree. I think 73 and a half is pretty low. I really think this is going to be a game where Oregon might not, might not get stopped on one possession. Um, this might be a game where they have 35 points at halftime. And I really think they're going to put up 50 plus. Um, I, I see like a 56, 31 final where we're talking about the same thing with Caleb Williams. Again, Caleb Williams will have another solid game and just can't do anything with that defense. All right. Excellent stuff. Let's put a bow on college football and we'll see what happens in week 11. Can you, can you believe that already week 11 college bat uh, college football? So now let's talk about college basketball. Obviously college basketball has started this week. Both the men and women will be focusing on the men right now. So where do I start? Very excited. UConn is competing for a repeat of the national championship. We'll get into them uh, shortly. 
But the first big story coming out of men's college basketball is James Madison University getting the upset over fourth-ranked Michigan State. So, <laughs> and um, it was an overtime victory as well. You know, give credit to James Madison, the James Madison Dukes, you know, having an amazing college football season. Now they get this huge win over Michigan. I think it's something like Tom Izzo's first ever loss in the month of November. Um, pretty uh, horrible way for things to start for the Spartans. <laughs> what do we think about the first uh, big story of the college basketball season? Only top, only lost in the top 25 for the day. Crazy. They'll be fine over the long haul. I trust Tom Izzo. They'll be there in the Sweet 16, I think, by the end of the, the season. But what a way to start the year. I think you're going to see a lot more preemptive early out-of-conference games that kind of shock and surprise people in November, December that we haven't seen before. Um, and it's, it's going to be a great year. Yeah, uh, I 100% agree. I don't think there's any panic if I'm Michigan to say Tom Izzo. They shot one from 20 from three. And the fact that you were still in this game and you – like I know they're supposed to dominate, but you barely lost after shooting one for 20, they're going to be okay. Just got to figure it out. It was an off night. Obviously, it's tough to have an off night on the first night of the season. But Izzo will have this team ready come March, and uh, I wouldn't look too much into it. But, yeah, college basketball's back, baby. I love it. So hype. And you know who's back is Rick Pitino back in a Power Five conference. Um, you know, he got Iona into the tournament early exit, but he gets hired by St. John's. St. John's obviously used to be a legendary program in their heyday. Haven't made the playoff, haven't made March Madness since 2019, Chris Mullen's final year. And they've been in limbo since. But trying to get back to some glory. They get a big win over Stony Brook to start their season. How we feel about Rick Pitino coming back? And do you think he can turn around St. John's program? Rick Pitino, I take him to strip clubs and casino. Let me go. <laughs> I love Rick Pitino. I love St. John's too. Like Even Alex can attest to this too, the old Big East. It's good to see these teams good. I love when a team like St. John's is going to be good. I'm so excited to see what this team can do. They're going to get better and better every single week. He turned Iowa into an NCAA tournament team. Now that you're actually playing, you're playing at the Garden. You have a university that you could get recruits to. I really think this is the best thing for St. John's and the best thing for Patino. Um, I think we're going to see a powerhouse in the next five years where they're going to be consistently a top 25 team even sooner. And this is the first step is this year. And I really think they're going to overachieve what everyone's thinking. Um, I wouldn't, I think this team's going to be there in March. I really do. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better. Um, I think they were talking, um, I was watching a little bit of the the banner celebration with uh, UConn and during the pregame and during the halftime show, they were saying how this is the best competition that uh, Big East has had in at least 10, 15 years. And I think it, you know, speaks to some of the flag carriers and you know you know the georgetowns the the providences the the yukons the marquettes they've all made a concerted effort to you know compete in a, at a recruiting level and upgrade their coaching across the board and make moves laterally in that regard um and i think this is a, a lot of the, along the same the same uh along the same lines um you know obviously like he's has he's had his dirty pass but like um, he's a damn good coach and 
Um, he knows how to inspire guys. And when you have a lightning rod, like a reputation like him, um, he's going to get, you know, meat and seats and he's going to get the, the players and the, 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 the names that he wants to draw there for the program. So I'm really excited to see this, this team and how they compete with the big East. And uh, it's just going to be a great year. Absolutely. And I, I really think they're going to be a five or six seed um, come March. I really think they're going to be that good. Yeah. In their or in the overall? Overall. But oh. well, not overall. No, not overall. Like in their five or six seed. Not, not, not oh, the God. five. Yeah, 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 no, I didn't mean it. Like they're going to they're going to be a team we're going to be talking about in March. That's going to be on a 5-12 upset alert. Um, yeah, I, I really yeah. think that's where we're going to see them. Now we can go and talk about your guys' teams, obviously very passionate about your schools. Um, and then we'll talk about the early rankings. And I want to first talk about Syracuse. You know, early on you said um, – there's not a lot to expect from the Syracuse Orange this year. Uh, why don't you elaborate more on that and uh, see if they can exceed expectations? Absolutely. I'm pulling up my receipts right now because I'm so mad about this take. Um, so just so that everyone knows, the Ken Palm projection has us at 9 and 22, and ESPN BPI has us at 10 and 21, which is just ridiculous. Um, we're in a new era. We're in the Coach Red era. Uh, Coach Autry has his team fired up. We're playing man-to-man defense. It's just a beautiful sight to see. We're not in a 2-3 zone. Um, we have talent. Judah Mintz is arguably one of the best players in the country. I personally think he's the best guard in the country. And now we got Starling that just came in from Notre Dame, who's also unbelievable. Um, I, I'm not trying to be biased, and I know it's hard for me not to be biased, but I think this team is very, very underrated. And I think they could make noise, maybe sneak in as like a play-in team in March. Um but all I'm going to say is the next five years at Syracuse looks unbelievable. We have all these recruiting classes coming in. Uh, Coach Autry is unbelievable in the AAU, getting these players to Syracuse. We just had another four-star commit today. And uh, I'm very excited at Syracuse as a whole moving forward as a program. And all I'm going to say is I think what ESPN and what the Kempom said is complete bull. I, I just can't stand by it. I, I I was taken back. I was so excited. So excited Monday, all day at work, getting ready, 7 o'clock tip-off. 1 o'clock, I get a Twitter notification of what the projections were, which is unbelievable to me. Um, but, hey, we'll see. We, we're Judah Mintz, really one of the best players in all of college basketball. Really think he has, like, a highest battle effect on us from, like, about four or five years ago, and I really think he can carry this team. Um to a sneaky 11 seed that could turn into a sweet 16 elite eight run as we've seen with Jim Beheim in the past. Now we're going to see it in the coach red Autry era. Very confident. Very, very confident. Nico, Alex, is, should he feel this confident? He can. I think it's cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I'm in a totally different position. I'm thinking more, you know, protect the crown versus, you know, looking at prospect teams that could threaten the throne. But um, I would definitely put Syracuse in that conversation because they're a well-run program. They've obviously put a lot of time and effort um, over the years in anticipation that Behan was going to step away. So they, I feel like they've gotten their guy. They haven't swung and missed. And, um, you know, we'll see as the years progress, you know, I still think they have a puncher's chance to like 
Nico said, get that 11 or get that 14 seed uh, during the uh, during the tourney and, you know, make some noise in the conference championship if they can make it there or at least the semis and, you know, get a bid for selection Sunday and and um, weave their way in there. Um, I think big, big, high profile programs, um, if they just make the dance, they have tend to have a better chance, uh, you know, opposed to, um, you know, a Kentucky or you know, a, a high profile school that comes in as a two or a three seed with all the weight of the world on those young kids. So when you're playing from behind and you're like a 14 or you're 11 going into the tournament and you're just hot at the right time, you can make a lot of noise. I think that Syracuse might find themselves in that position this year. I respect it. I respect it. Now switching to UConn. UConn won the national championship last year. They're opening at rank. They're, they're opening ranked sixth in the nation. Talk about the Yukon Huskies and what's new up in stores after uh, their first win over North Texas by scoring 92 to 54 to start the year. Uh, I love this team coming back. Um, I think that's why you saw that snow go trying so hard to get back. Obviously Tristan Newton's back. Um, we got seven, three Klingon. He's a monster with great hands and great feet. Caravan um, in year two, I think is going to be, underrated like one of the best players in the big east to be quite honest um he's got all the right intangibles great leadership he has the awareness um cutting off passing lanes and he does all the three and d uh responsibilities that you want in a player like him so i think him year two is going to be great um they've got a, a sensational you know freshman pipeline and they got the transfer portal going they got that sharpshooter from rutgers um they, it seems like they've fulfilled They've replaced and replenished all of the deficiencies that they lost in the draft with Jackson leaving, um, with DR leaving, and with um, uh, and with Hawkins leaving. So um, I think that they have great leadership in the backcourt. They're going to have, you know, they're going to have their twin towers down down below as well with Stephon Johnson. Um, they're just going to be they're They just got to stay healthy, keep, keep calm and collected. Don't get, you know rushed into that lull midseason where they string off a few losses and get discouraged. We saw that last year, you know, entering the conference play. But, um, you know, the sky's the limit. I think that they could easily repeat if they stay healthy and they stay humble. I like it. You think other teams should be threatened by UConn coming in? It's extremely hard to be a repeat champion in men's college basketball, Nico. But does you have a chance to possibly do it? One hundred percent. Yeah. Um. I, even though as much as I hate UConn and the university, uh, they won me my biggest bet of my life last year. Uh, I bet UConn <laughs> in the round of thirty-two to win the title, and it paid great. And I, I'm so thankful for Coach Shirley and the team for doing that for me last year. Uh, but besides myself, uh, UConn is uh, a great basketball team. Uh, it, it's hard to repeat, like you mentioned, Matt, in this league. It's very, very tough in men's college basketball. Florida did it, I know, yeah, back then. Uh, it, it's so hard to see. Um, but, hey, you never know. And UConn has a lot of guys back. They have a, this base, a lot of the same team, a lot of the same game plans they're going to be shoot, throwing out there. Uh they're going to be the team to beat. Unfortunately, everyone's talking Kansas, 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 but the reality is they have the throne right now and someone has to take it from them. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's kind of disrespectful for the, 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 
the committee to even put them at six, but I understand it because <clears throat> it's like we're framing the conversation as like, uh, could you come be a threat to all these teams? It's like, well, could anybody be a threat to us? We're we, we're holding the crown, we're holding the title. So put put props on us until until you beat the king. So um, I just mm-hmm. I just love I just love like the perfect gel and blend between the the senior leadership and the up and coming leadership. And I, I see that at all three phases of this team, you know, in transition on offense and defense, they had like, again, they have twin towers. They have a stunning young backcourt. Stefan Castle can learn and, and, and train behind Tristan Newton, who is now, I think God knows in his fifth or sixth year. I mean, he's basically become, um, uh, who's the quarterback from Georgia that won the championship? Um, Bennett. Yeah. yeah he's basically Bennett. Just, he, He's the Stetson Bennett of UConn basketball. He's like <laughs> been there for God knows how long, but uh, he's decorated and he's going to be able to kind of uh, mentor Stefan Castle because he seems to be the guy. Again, I love Cam Spencer being the sharpshooter from Rutgers. Um, and then Caravan being the 3 and D guy. You got Twin Towers. It's just, it's going to be a great year. I'm really excited. Nice respect is coming into it. Okay. So why don't we quickly head into the early rankings and then we can, um, you know, make our future pick. So, you know, obviously this is definitely going to change in the next couple of days. But the Associated Press opened the top 25 with Kansas as your number one overall pick. What do we think about that? Uh, well, number one overall ranked team, I should say. It's a safe number one. Yeah, they, they're – if you look at them on paper, like I get – it would be great to see UConn be number one, being like, hey, they had a title last year, but hey, if you look at they had the transfer coming, Kansas is the best team in the country, in my opinion. They, they play each other. Um, so first. Oh, really? Where? At Kansas or at it's, UConn? It's at, it's at Kansas. Yep. Uh-oh. Yeah, it's a primetime game. I think it's on ESPN. Nice. It's going to be great. The right behind that is Duke. You know, they're coaching their second year. Um, way way overvalued as a two. Um, I think that they're probably closer to a five or six, kind of where Marquette is. But um, you know, just you know, in a vacuum, in the absence of a clear cut number two, I don't I don't really have any uh, too many bones to pick with it. Real quick, real quick, real quick. Uh, so as we're as we're on this podcast, real quick, I do got something to say. Uh, you know, talk about Duke. I always talk about my hate for UConn. I talk about my hate for Duke. But I got a little a little picture right here of your two boys in Chicago with Coach Shire. Um, yeah. Yeah. We we uh that was I want to talk it's pulled out that night. I want to talk so much shit to Duke right that night. I really have to start like just talking bad about like flip out Flipkowski was right next to us. Coach Shire was right there. We could have just had a field day, but uh we were respectful and Believe it or not, he was a real, he was a great guy. He took the picture with us. Even the assistant coaches were great. Uh, I know. Uh, I know this this is a little off topic, but uh, yeah, I like Duke. Um, again, they're Duke. Shire in his second year, you, you got to heat them in the conversation. They have the talent. They're going to win a lot of games. The ACC. We'll see what happens. I think they're just. I think the AP is just projecting on um, just pure like athleticism and talent. But I think Purdue is a better two, and I think Marquette's a better three, to be quite honest. And Purdue with um, arguably Zach Eady as your best T as your best player in the nation for now, and um, you know they have some strong returning players. Are we excited to see Purdue make a run? 
Nope. Boilermakers finally <laughs> go over. I disagree. I, I think we saw in the tournament last year versus Dickinson, uh, the real Purdue team. I think Purdue is the most overrated team in the country year in and year out. And I, I think they're not a good team. Um, I, I really don't think Purdue is going to do a lot this year. Obviously, with their talent, they're going to be a top 10 team consistently. They're going to be in the top 25 almost every single week, the whole entire year. But I really, really don't think this Purdue team can win the title. Um, and that's my take. I they had to put them at number three. I completely understand. Um, but I just think they're the most overrated team in all of college basketball. As long as you understand, because I think there's two different conversations. I'm not disagreeing. I think that they are a total choke job when you're talking playoffs, when you're talking the tournament. But I think they're like one of the best like regular season teams. I think I, that's why I understand the three. Mm-hmm. And despite Michigan State losing to start the season, um, you guys mentioned that you just think it's a little fluke and they'll be okay. They should be in the top 10 throughout the rest of the season. Yep. Even though we have a long I think they could, season. Yeah, I, they'll probably be at the tail end of the of the top 10 because I have a lot more faith in like a Houston or a Creighton to really move up, to be honest. You know, you, you always see these teams like always get that one or two uh, losses in non-conference play. And like sometimes it's versus a good team, sometimes it's versus a bad team. And I really think Michigan State just got out of the way earlier than expected. And uh, I think they're going to be solid from here on out. All right, and, you know, some of the other schools to mention, those are the top four there, but Marquette's ranked at five. We mentioned UConn at six. Houston, you know, very disappointing team in the tournament, uh, but they were amazing last year. They starting at seven. Creighton, eight. Tennessee at nine. Florida Atlantic, FAU, a school that uh, really made a lot of people happy. A nice Cinderella story. They're ranked 10th. Then we got Gonzaga at 11, Arizona. You know, they were a favorite last year that, um, you know, crapped the bed during the pro during the tournament. We have Miami, who people um, were impressed with last year. They might be fixing their program again. And then, you know, just some other schools, San Diego State, who was runner up this year. They're at 17. Um, UNC's 19th, pretty down under there. St. Mary's at California at 23. Um Bama, who lost a lot of players to the NBA, they're 24th, Illinois 25, to name a bunch. Uh, what do we think about some of the remaining teams here um, moving forward to start the season? And is there anybody omitted that uh, should be there? I, I like Marquette. I think Marquette's a decent team. I think Creighton is also a really good team. I really like this Creighton basketball team. Um I'm just so excited for the Big East this year because even though it's not the true Big East, what I'm used to, or even what Alex is used to for that matter, uh, the Big East is going to be so much fun to watch. Um, So like Marquette, Creighton, teams like that, UConn, I'm very, very excited to see um, these matchups play forward. Um, With that being said, the only one that really surprised me was North Carolina, especially with Baycott back. I I really thought they could have been ranked a little bit higher, but hey, we'll see what time tells the rankings in college basketball, it's just not nearly as important as college football where right. it really just doesn't matter at this point. We're just going to, we're going to learn a lot. And that's why it's the best sport in the world because FAU who last year started off the year as the 150th ranked team in the country is a final four team. So um, 
I'm just college basketball is back, baby. That's all I got to say. And that's what yeah, Syracuse is going to do, right? Yeah, except, you know, I, 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 the only thing I hate about that with this mindset is <laughs> I hate being a story program that people are like, oh, Cinderella story, Cinderella story. You can't be a Syracuse. You can't be a blue blood, even though people don't think we are. Uh, you can't be a Syracuse, a Kentucky, a team like that that's supposed to not be great and be considered a Cinderella. Um, so, you know, we'll see. Um, but, Matt, to answer your question... I am praying that we are that hidden gem. I, I really am. <laughs> Go for it. I think there's there's definitely uh, teams at the at the at the back ends of the top twenty five that could be swapped out. I mean, I'm definitely um, I'm a little more bullish on Baylor. I think you could move Baylor up into the well into the top twenty. Um, I think similarly with St. Mary's up until you get to you know the uh, all, all the way even past the WCC tournament because they, I think they could easily beat. Um, a weaker Gonzaga this year. Uh, Miami seems a little overvalued, but I understand the ranking because of last season. They're bringing most of their team back, similar with Florida Atlantic. Um, I would take USC out of there briefly, and I would take Villanova out of there briefly, only because I don't trust the coach for Villanova. Uh, his name is escaping me at the moment. But I also um, – I just don't know what I'm getting you with USC. They always have leapers. They have athlete. They have athleticism, so they're going to win a lot of games. I understand, but I don't know the quality and quantity of the um, the Pac-12 coming into this season. So that's a big test. Um, and um, the one thing for me, like the biggest admission for me, because um, it hurts my heart, is like I love this Marquette team. Marquette team, and it pains me because I feel like they're going to be there at the end of the year with Creighton to give us headaches and fits, especially the second half of the of the the season with the Big East tourney. Um, but uh, it's just, yeah, I I'm really bullish on Marquette. I think they could easily be a top three team. All right, good stuff, guys. So. Um... Let us make our future picks once and for all. Put it on camera. Put it here on the mics. Pick your national champion right here, right now, all the way in early November to who is going to be cutting the hoops. I know it's in March, but it's technically the first weekend of April. But who is going to be cutting down the hoops? Who's going to be cutting down the strings um, during the... um, uh, blah. Who's going to be your national champion in college basketball this year? I have to pick UConn. I mean, I can't not. <laughs> so I'm going to do it back-to-back titles. I'm going for it. You know, the the logical the logical pick for me is Kansas um, being one of the favorites. However, I really like Larry Nagin as Miami basketball team. I think Miami is number oh. 13 in the country. I think they're a sneaky team, and they're arguably have a top three talent. Uh, ro- talent, One of the top three most talented rosters in all of college basketball. Um, I I really think Miami is very good value right now at 400 uh, or 40 to 1 um, on some books right now, and I really think it's a good bet. What's the what's – the- uh, what's the bet right now on Arizona? Because Arizona seemed really low. Uh, 25, 2,500. Yeah, 2,500 yeah. to 1. 
that seems to, that seems like a, a real fall from grace because I think that they were always they they kind of got caught on their on their heels last year. I think they were better than they they, they just had a bad game in the tournament, but um, you know to open up the tournament. But I like Arizona a lot as well. They're, they're Arizona for me is like a team like a Houston and like a Purdue where I have all this faith in them, and then come March, I'm like why like why like why did I really like why was I on on Arizona? Yeah, but no, but I but like you said. Talent wise and talent matters. Uh, Arizona is a talented basketball team, um, and that's another team. There's so many. I just again, I know I keep saying I just fired up that college basketball's back, but this is a <laughs> year where it is so wide open that it's phenomenal. Like it is just phenomenal. Not that it's not open every year, but every year you have like I guess this year you could say you have the Kansas, but you really don't. Like you really don't have that team that's like this team's in the Final Four. The Gonzaga's back. Oh, this Gonzaga team's going crazy. It's one of those years where it's wide open, and I, I'm so excited. And I think I can smell the uh, like the on the perimeters of the top 25. I can smell Providence right there. I can smell Georgetown right there. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where those uh, where those teams wind up at the end of the year as well. So for me, um, I I actually. Coming into this up until maybe by the time I had my dinner, I was actually going to go with Purdue because having the top player in the nation, I think they're well coached. I do think they have some nice veteran presence in there. But because of that, because of that hype, I think um, usually they all fall and crumble down. A lot of people were excited about Bama. They thought they were a shoo-in with Brandon Miller, even him beating legal troubles, it seemed, that wasn't trying to bring him down. And, of course, they crumbled. So I think Purdue's going to – I think Purdue's going to probably have a great season and watch them losing like the Sweet 16 or something. And I'm actually really excited about Duke this year. I think pretty much, you know, they didn't lose a lot of players to the draft or the overseas. I think Josh Shear in a new year is, you know, learning the ropes there. I think they have a lot of good karma coming their way. And uh, don't be surprised that the Duke Blue Devils without Coach K might be able to uh, finally redeem themselves. After some embarrassing losses in Coach K's final year, especially, maybe there's something new. And a lot of those players were on that team as freshmen and now seniors, freshmen and sophomores and now seniors. I think um, the Duke Blue Devils might uh, make a run for it. Interesting. Oh, also, I figured out I figured out why Nico loves uh, Miami as a pick because um, Larry Nago looks yeah, exactly stop. like Bayhan. <laughs> I knew you were going to say it before you even finished the sentence. Yeah. No, I, I, no I, I'm a Larry Nago guy. And I'll say, and I will say this, as much as I love Bayheim. Larinaga always outcoached Beheim for the past decade. Always, always outcoached him. Long lost brother. It looks like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but with that being said, you can, hang, you can hang out. You can hang outside of the nursing home, and every fifteenth person might look like both of them. So she kind of looks like Beheim and Popovich had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! What a lovely couple there. But gentlemen. Awesome stuff. Great perspective for college football. A great preview for college basketball. So let us see how this all unfolds. We'll see you next week. Let's see what happens in week 11 as we inch closer to some very big college um, championship games that are coming. Sorry, conference championship games that are on the way. And then we have, um, we'll see how the first week of college basketball unfolds as well. So good stuff, Alex. 
Nico, good night. Red weeds, orange, baby. This is a very productive conversation. Great show by Alex and Nico. Very, very good stuff. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show across all social media platforms. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter and X at Prog Pod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations and Facebook at Productive Conversations. So that's episode 285 on the road to 300. And we are leveling up as always. So we are back tomorrow with another tweet cap, and we'll get into all the things trending in our world tomorrow with Ryan. No, Jose, um, he is on vacation, so uh, me and Ryan will take the reins there and do the tweet cap. And then next week, also want to let you know that we are getting back into our NBA coverage as well. So we're beginning our NBA coverage for this season as the in-season's tournament is continuing to roll on. Seeing who is who and how these teams begin the early part of a very long season. As you know, once the holiday season happens and once we pass Christmas, that's when the NBA really starts cooking. So, But regardless, we are going into the NBA and we'll begin our coverage with it next week. As well as another full fleet of shows with the NFL, college football and college basketball and the tweet cap. So a lot of good stuff coming your way. Let's kick off the weekend in style with a new tweet cap. And we are looking forward to that and looking forward to seeing you there. Thank you to Alex and Nico for what they've done on the show today. Thank you for Alex, a.k.a. Dolo Ren, for what he does behind the scenes. And I want to thank you, the greatest fans and listeners in the world, for always supporting us no matter what. My name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. And I'll be seeing you tomorrow with a whole new tweet cap. All right. Have a great day, everybody. Peace. All she needed was, all she needed was some